named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Matt Oil from Love to Move. I'm joined by Sam Hunter from Home Search. Sam, how are those trains in London? Making you late? So we're going to pull, I think we do this every week, but we're going to pull back the podcast <laughs> curtain. Uh, we are recording, yeah, we are recording this. This is like time travel podcast. We're recording this introduction after we've recorded the interview with our guest today because I usually ride my bike into the office and I decided this morning I was going to catch the train because uh, for the first time since we moved to England five years ago, I bought a TV and it's getting delivered <laughs> to the office today so that uh, my pregnant wife didn't have to lob it up into our house. Uh, and it was because I could get it today in the office or it would have been a week at my house, which is ridiculous given it's both in London. Uh, so, yeah, I uh, caught the train and the train was uh, three cancellations in a row, which meant I was two minutes late to our podcast this morning. And anyone that knows me knows that I fucking hate being late. So, yeah, to uh, Michael and to you, thanks for your patience. Uh, word of warning to everyone else, trains are dystopian as anything <laughs> Uh, you find yourself getting angry at people who don't wear masks. It's really weird. Uh, but we got here. We're alive. We are super ultra-fast broadband connected. And it was a good interview. I'm really looking forward to to everyone else sort of sharing in it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed it. Um, and just on that point then, so we've sort of moved around our office a little bit now. We've been back for... Um, a few months now but we've eventually got our team our full team back now the kids are back at school and um, you guys i don't know are you all in the office how's that changed the sort of dynamic of the business Sam? uh so i wouldn't say we're all back in the office um we have about i think there's 11 of our team maybe a bit more here today um all sort of spread out uh, amongst we've got like a couple of floors and so devs downstairs our sort of commercial unit is upstairs uh, everyone's like two seats away from each other. It looks, <laughs> I might take a photo and, and share online. It just looks really weird. Uh, it's yeah. like everyone's off sick and you've just got this <laughs> sporadic like disbursement of people. Um, and everyone has to, when they're on the phone, talk normally. When they're talking to each other, there's like this raised volume, which is quite, again, it's, it's, just, it's just super weird. Um, but it's, it's nice. I, I uh, was talking to one of our guys uh, like earlier today. And I was just sort of saying, like, it's interesting when, when we're all in the office, the vibe is so much uh, more electric than, than yeah. it is at home. Like, at home, you achieve things and everyone's really productive. And, you, like, because you're jumping from one meeting to another on the screen, you make the most of your time. But in an office, you pick up on, like, the question that someone else has asked. You know, or you can't hear what the answer to that question was, but you see the reaction of them like leaning into the Zoom screen or them talking about something else, and you're like, "What was that?" And then the call ends. Somebody's like, "Yes, 
and you're like, what happened? And then they tell you this amazing story, which just doesn't happen when you're at home. Or if you send a Slack message, it's not the same sort of thing. So yeah, I love of the office reaffirmed despite shitty train commute. Yeah, I think we've, we've spent a lot of time sort of working on the business um, last couple of days, um, implementing some of the stuff. We've spent a lot of time at the whiteboard, scribbling down notes and like, right, we're going to do things this way. Now we're sort of back, back to normal. And as you say, as much as you can do stuff at home, I think that human interaction, Andy Overman talked about it last week, didn't he? Um, if you've been an estate agent, you hopefully a people's person you thrive off that communication um and we've definitely as a team in this office over the last few days had interactions that we wouldn't have had through the computer screen so um looking forward to making the next 30 days really important to make sure we have a fantastic q4 and then making the next four months awesome so we smash next year as well so really looking forward to it really Really excited to um, to get cracking. Cool, nice one. I um, it's been interesting to, to like talk to you, talk to your mum, get to know other people in your team as well over the last few months, and actually see you guys apply not everything because I think it's really it's probably almost dangerous to apply everything that you go and learn, but to pick out like the two or three things and be like, right, fucking doing that today, and that's happening now, and then to to now having six weeks of doing that stuff to be able to actually refine and be like, okay, cool. We're going to keep that. We're going to do this. So it's credit to you, man. And to everyone else that is open-minded enough within moving works and love to move and Ray and all that sort of stuff as well to like change those things and to commit to them and to see if they work and things. Cause it's clear that it, that it is coming off. So well done. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think one of the things I am guilty of is trying to probably implement every single learning. And I suppose one of the learnings that I've had is, as much as I think it's a good idea, and I go and tell someone, someone's in the middle of something, I'm like, oh, that didn't go down exactly right. So always learning even about implementing the learnings. Um, shall we dive in and introduce today's guest, Sam? Yes, let's do it. Today's guest on the World Class Agency podcast has been in estate agency or around estate agency since his LinkedIn tells me 1983. He has been an estate agent. He's worked for conveyancing. He's been in a corporate. He's been in independence. He now sits as non-executive director and advisor to many property companies and board members. Uh, he describes himself as a highly experienced property industry business mentor, trainer, consultant, and NED. He helps others maximize success. And just before we kicked off this very off-the-cuff introduction, we agreed that it was a very good year for a Watford fan to go down because no one is going to the football. Michael Day, welcome to the World Class Agency podcast. Morning, Gould. Hello, Sam. Hello, Mark. Good to see you. Um, just one slight correction in so much that you've uh, reduced my age a little bit, which I'd like to thank you for, because I actually started in the industry in 1975. 1975. Your LinkedIn only goes wow. back to 1983, so my... It's because link LinkedIn doesn't go back far enough. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you kept adding new roles, and it was like, just give it a rest, all right? Quick. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Michael, we've got a relatively broad agenda of things that, that uh, we want to sort of 
seek your advice and opinion on today. Um, but one of, I think, the first places and a good place for us to start is uh, talking about impending. And I use that word because it sounds very serious, but we all probably will agree in about five minutes time that maybe nothing's really going to happen soon. But impending regulation um, and not necessarily the regulation itself, but the more interesting bits. So what does it actually mean for, firstly, what does regulation, if and when it happens, mean for new agents entering the industry? And perhaps more importantly, to the people who listen to this show, what does it mean to the people who are working in our industry now? Okay, well, regulation, I mean, we're, as an industry across sales and lettings in particular, we're actually governed by a myriad of legislation now. Um, the real issue across the industry has been the lack of enforcement and policing um, rather than the amount of regulation. But I think what you're really referring to here is the potential for what's being known as ROPA, which is the report on property agents, um, which has stated that we're going to go down a route of regulation of the actual industry itself, um, probably with licensing and the need for qualifications for everybody within the industry to a certain level, depending on the role they're involved in. Um, now, this obviously has a major impact because um, I would estimate that somewhere around about 70% of the industry currently holds no qualification whatsoever. And therefore, if it was to come to pass as is projected, um, it would mean that 70% of people, if they wish to continue in the industry, would have to achieve the level of qualification being stated. Um, that's a big ask, can be done. It was done in the financial services industry some time ago um, with mortgage brokers and things, um, but that is a major, major change. It will also, of course, create more of a barrier to entry to the industry in so much that people will come into it and have to achieve the qualification, presumably within a certain time frame. Whereas at the moment, you can be a window cleaner in the morning and uh, an estate agent in the afternoon. Agreed. I think one of the reasons in which it's easy for people to perhaps uh, lobby some negative press at estate agents is because of the almost non-existent barrier entry to get into this. We're going to talk about some training in a moment, but I want to stick on, on ROPA or regulation, everything like that. Um, is there a risk that, that it will, uh, that there will be good people lost to the industry? Or do you think good people are organized already? I think, um, I think there's less risk. I mean, obviously the general broad consensus across the industry is that um, this was, would be a good thing. We've actually had the Estate Agents Act since 1979, and Section 22 of the Estate Agents Act, just to bore you with a bit of detail, was about competency, and it was never introduced. So we've had it sitting on the statute book since 1979, but successive governments have always preferred competition to competency, <laughs> relying on competition to sort things out rather than um, actually regulating. That appears to be going to change. Um, so the broad consensus across the industry is that this would be a good thing, raising standards, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there will be a path that it has to go through over the coming years. I think a lot of people think this is going to come in sooner than I do, because I actually think we're some time away before uh, this is actually in, in place. Um, clearly, people who've been in the industry a longer time are probably more likely to have a level of qualification, but not necessarily. In fact, an awful lot of my clients 
great estate agents operating perfectly legally, honestly, uh, and whatever in the industry have no qualifications at all. So it, it is going to make a major change. Do you think people are scared of, of getting qualified? Qualified? Sorry, Mark. I think we were waving each other there. <laughs> Sorry, say that again, chaps. Do, do you think people are scared of what qualification actually means? Well, I think people are scared for two reasons, or, or let's say apprehensive, maybe more than scared. One is, if you've been working for 25 years and you haven't done an exam since you did your O-levels or something, um, uh, the fact of going into a, uh, you know, into a situation where you've got to pass some examinations is in itself potentially quite daunting. So there's that aspect. There's also um, the, the, the aspect of cost and time. And uh, people are running their businesses. And, um, you know, whilst I personally think that people should put far more into their own personal developments uh, and that than they probably do, the reality is it is going to mean for an awful lot of people, they're going to have to find some time uh, and effort to actually get the qualification that is required. I was, I was just um, going to ask, just to follow up really to Sam's question about the fear of good people losing the industry. We talked about a barrier to entry and regulation having a barrier to entry. Do you think that will attract better people to the industry or not? I think uh, what attracts people to the industry ultimately will be what are the opportunities for them, whether there's a qualification required or not. In, in the last 10, 20 years, um, we send all of our kids to university or a huge number of kids to university to come out with a degree in something or other, which probably has no great relevance to their future career other than demonstrating that they could go on the pitch, excuse my French, for three years and, uh, and get a qualification. Um, but... And, you know, so if you take RICS, for example, uh, you know, you now have to have a degree before you can even go on to the, the basic steps of an RICS qualification. Um, and so these, you know, already barriers, if you like, to entry have been, you know, the bar has been raised over the last sort of 20 odd years or so. That bar isn't there for people coming into a state agency at this moment in time. So I think we're only following the pattern of, you know, the world, quite frankly, uh, in, in, in this regard. Um, personally, I would rather see um, much more emphasis on vocational training than I would do on academic training in this particular sphere. But I think the hope is that over time, what this would actually do, and it's not the only reason, of course, and perhaps we'll explore some of that, I see the, the industry getting smaller in terms of the number of players, but those players will earn more money and they will be delivering a better service uh, and, and higher quality. So I think we are going, we're in the, you know, the, the early stages of a bit of a shift here anyway. Cool. I would agree with that. I think it, it, too many chefs is a cliche saying, uh, but that's where you find yourself in a uh, battle for too much of the lower ground. I think when there's too many people in there trying to do uh, what they may also agree is the same thing. Um, it was interesting. I was reading a book while I was waiting for my very delayed train this morning, and they were talking about the difference between creativity and innovation. And creativity is thinking about doing something different or new, and innovation is doing, doing something it. different mm -hmm. or new, um, which I thought makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think with people who come in there, um, I think innovation is often bandied around as a buzzword. As a buzzword, but when you think about it like that. And you can come in and perhaps the innovation is the vocational training you're talking about. So you don't end up with a piece of paper, you end up with experience and life skills. And 
um, university has done a really bad job for uh, or a, a really good job at probably ruining the reputation of internships to, to put it in a way that everyone might understand. But people come out of an internship understanding more about how a business operates than they ever do reading it from a textbook. Um, and I, think also, I think also, Sam, that, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the property industry, a, a lot of people, they don't come in as kids. They don't come in. I, I came into this industry as a 16-year-old. That, that would be an absolute rarity, obviously, now. In fact, it's a rarity for somebody to come into the industry below, say, 20 or, or, or whatever. Um, but there are a lot of people come into the industry at 25, 30, 35, who've, who've actually experienced life in some other sphere, often in areas such as hospitality, areas of sort of customer service oriented, people orientated roles. Some of those people prove to be excellent. If there is a um, you know, too high a barrier for people to get in, that may block some of those people coming in later we just don't know at this moment in time because the whole thing about roper is that the syllabus hasn't been decided and some of the rules around this haven't been decided there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of people out there selling courses and things but of course they're selling something that actually um we don't know what they're selling to and that's quite a nice way to sort of move into the training um, you mentioned before personal development um michael how important do you think it is for training and personal development now, and is that go going to only get more important in the industry if there is some form of regulation, presumably some form of CPD required? I, I, you know, I'm a great believer in lifelong learning. I put myself through an MBA when I was 40. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge believer that if you're not learning every day, you're actually going, you're going backwards, whether that's reading books, whether that's doing formal qualifications, listening to podcasts, whatever it might be, it all adds to your uh, knowledge, your understanding um, and helps with development. So I think people should be doing that anyway. It always staggers me the amount of people who join a company and then they sort of effectively hand their career over to that company and say, I'm here now, could you please look after me for the next 30 years? And they do little to help themselves. And I think that attitude, it's, the, it's obviously there with the, you know, the higher echelons and the go-getters and people who are always pushing to, to do better. But there is a huge you know, tranche of people across the industry who literally turn up every day, do the job, get paid and go home. And some of them perform perfectly adequately, perfectly okay, and that's fine. But they're not going to be the leaders in the future, that's for certain. Why do you think people Great. do just show up and do that? Um, I... <laughs> I'm not saying it's unique to our industry, Sam. Um, mm. I, I think there's, you know, there's an awful lot of people who perhaps during their upbringing weren't, weren't pushed to realise that they could pretty much achieve whatever they wanted to achieve. Um, I'm sure on your podcast, I know some of the people who've um, you know, graced your uh, sound waves you know, in the past. Um, you don't tend to find people who sort of plodded through the industry for the last few years. You're tending to find people who've achieved something. Well, you know, all of those people, to some degree, will have done various things to push themselves and, and, and maximise their success. Um, as you know, I'm involved in Agent uh, Together, which is a charitable foundation. And a lot of the work we're doing with people is mentoring them. So we're helping individuals to become better themselves, which in turn should mean they run better businesses, which in turn means the industry should be better. 
bit of a long-term view to say we're going to change the industry, but you've got to start somewhere. It's the only way to change anything. I think there's, there's too many people who try and take shortcuts and actually end up achieving nothing and probably further behind than where they were when they started. I want to stay on the training point for a second because you made a point earlier that I think is worth doubling back on now as we're talking about the importance of lifelong learning and, and vocational training and stuff. You said that opportunity attracts the best talent. Um, and I, friend, you probably heard me typing, but I, I sort of, uh, type, I wrote that down because it's something that Mark and I will unpack after this, but I've written a little supplementary note afterwards where I said, how do you visibly increase what that opportunity looks like to an agent? Um, I have some thoughts, but I want to ask you the question first. I think, you know, operates on a number of levels. If you're looking from a career point of view, you want to go into something. People come into a state agency because um, they'll often tell you it's because they don't want to be stuck behind a desk all day long. They want to actually meet people. They want to get out and about, that type of thing. And that's fine. There's an element of that. Um, you get some people say, oh, I like looking at houses. Well, you know, okay, fine. Mm. Um, but, but this industry is really all about people rather than about property. Um, the property just happens to be the thing that gets transacted. Um, but the opportunity, clearly financial opportunity, is, is one. People, um, this is an industry where you do tend to earn in some sort of direct proportion to what you actually produce. So, for example, you know, I have my own business, as you know, I am on 100% performance-related pay. Have been for the last 17 years. If I don't do anything, I don't earn anything. Simple as that. Now, that doesn't suit everybody. We're, we're seeing the growth now of these self-employed, as they're called, estate agency models under the umbrellas of EXP and yeah. Keller Williams and, and others. And not all of those people will survive because a lot of those people have been spoon-fed in the past and, and they're not going to perhaps cut it in, in the world that they're entering. But some of them will. Um, so opportunity, financial opportunity, opportunity in terms of work-life balance, opportunity in terms of doing something they enjoy and for, you know, and for making a difference. We do deal primarily with the biggest thing in most people's lives, and that is their home. It's one of the basic hierarchy of needs is to put a roof over your head. Um, and so, um, you know, we are dealing with people at a, you know, upon their major, whether it's investment, you want to call it an investment or their home. So there's a lot of people who actually, you know, get off on that. And I think that opportunity is there, but it's got to reward people. And at the moment, there's an awful lot of people in the industry, quite frankly, not earning anywhere near enough money relative to the amount of, certainly the amount of hours, if not the amount of effort that they're, they're making. And fees have got to go up. But to, for fees to go up, we've got to be able to demonstrate to the public that there's value in whatever that fee may be. Um, and I think uh, a reduction in, you know, in the number of operators, but an improvement in the quality will slowly see that happening. It's interesting, isn't it? Purple Bricks started off um, at this very low, and of course now they've announced that they're going to be in London charging four and a half thousand pounds payable on completion with just a smaller amount up front. Now I have some, you know, it's an interesting decision because of course they're effectively getting rid of or largely getting rid of one of their biggest differentiators. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, they're going to damage their cash flow, which isn't brilliant anyway. They're going to damage their cash flow enormously because their cost of acquisition of a customer has been too high. 
So we, we will, you know, we will see. But I, I think, you know, there's, the industry is in a period of very strong change, partly because of COVID. And uh, this will be part of it. I actually think Purple Bricks uh, management team must listen to our podcast because just before Christmas, uh, someone asked us the question of like, what would you do if you were setting up your agency? I said, I'd charge 299 quid up front because it covers my marketing costs. It means that I don't have a liability hanging over my head, which doesn't force me into desperately looking to move stock on when suddenly I have a credit card bill to pay or something like that. And then depending on my level of experience, my differentiation, my innovation, I would charge them probably the difference of 2% or something like that. Now, five grand for Pearl Bricks is not 2%, but they couldn't get away with that because they know they don't deliver like there or thereabouts on that service. But it is interesting to see that shift. I think that they're probably going through a real tough patch of people recognizing what a good estate agent actually brings to the table. Um, I agree with you on pay as opportunity as well. Uh, it is very, we, we talked about some people get to their desk it's interesting people get into real estate and they, because they don't want to sit behind a desk. Right. And then the average ones find themselves sitting behind a desk all day waiting for the phone to ring. Um, that's a conversation for another time, but it is difficult. And I think that, that, that waiting for the phone to ring, of course, is part of the problem, isn't it? Because that's a reactive rather than yeah. a proactive approach. And, yeah, shadow if, you know, and technology, which, you know, you're heavily involved in, obviously, and I'm a huge believer in technology. Technology should be there to open up opportunity. It should be there to do the heavy lifting, but the people should be there to actually do the engagement uh, and, and that with people. And the industry, whether it's because of the portals and, and whatever else, has become reactive um, and, and allowing software to, to run the system. The average negotiator in an estate agency couldn't tell you who their best buyer for a three-bed semi is in their town because it's, they're just a number in the system. Mm. That's got to change. Agreed. Um, I want to talk to you about agents together, I think, um, mm -hmm. because positive mental health is something that's really close to my heart, um, and I'm, I'm interested to we've we've had a chat with a couple of people who are involved with it now and it's always been different reasons for why they got involved but i think the core is the same of wanting to change the industry wanting to realize that uh a lot of people go through some shit um and most of the time go through it alone and in silence so can you talk us through your work and your involvement with agents together yeah, um, agents together came together ooh, around about march this year april time and michael bruce um, rang me and spoke to me and asked me whether I would be interested in getting involved. Um, I've always taken uh, the view, I, I use a Zig Ziglar quote, uh, which is that I can have anything I want in life if I just help enough other people achieve what they want in life. Um, I've always been involved in uh, sort of uh, wider uh, things than just being uh, an estate agent in terms of charitable stuff and whatever. So, um, you know, it interested me. And of course, with COVID, Again, it was becoming a catalyst for things going wrong, um, mental health wise, um, potentially, obviously, job loss wise, which in turn will possibly have well-being uh, issues. And it's been largely uh, unspoken about in our industry. We're fairly, and I know there's a lot of ladies involved in our industry these days, but it's always been fairly macho um, and we're tough and it's, you know, been sort of, well, you know, pull yourself together, man, and, you know, chin up and all that type of stuff. And the reality is there's been nobody to talk to. Um, and Michael had the vision um, to set up the Charitable Foundation. As you know, there's a lot of very good people involved and we have now somewhere around about 100 mentors giving 
some of their time to uh, uh, help people. We're all working with individual uh, people to help them with either their personal development, their personal issues that they might be having, confidence, um, mindset. Um, you know, some of these words are becoming a bit buzzwordy now, but mindset is, is clearly key to, 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 to everything. Um, and also we're providing a, a whole load of resource into the industry through webinars and uh, blogs and uh, various information that is, is increasing all the time. And, and the next one to come down the pipe is largely going to be about redundancy, helping people through that challenge. Because sadly, I think we are going to see some quite big job losses in the industry. We're going to see big job losses across the economy generally. Um, and for a lot of people, that, that could be devastating. Um, and how, you know, a lot of them will just simply jump out of the frying pan into the fire. Um, a lot of people have no idea, for example, how to write a decent CV um, and how to go about finding themselves employment, whether it's in the industry or outside. So there's a lot of resource that we can, can help people with. And I'm, I'm working with a great team of people, seriously, some of whom I compete with in business terms. But we've all come together. You know, there's, enough, there's two or three of us who are um, business mentors, consultants, trainers, whatever you want to describe us as. Mm. Um, but actually, we've all pulled together as a, you know, in a common goal uh, under the umbrella of Agents Together. And uh, I, I'm proud to actually say that it's making a difference. Well done. Good. Um, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Sam. Um, I was just listening there and, and thinking, I've not heard a great deal about agents together obviously when it was when it was launched but if we've got anybody that's listening to the show and thinking that sounds quite interesting i'd like to you know move forward with personal development but i don't know where to start and perhaps they're feeling anxious about getting involved what advice could you give them about starting and then maybe a bit of explanation as to how that relation that mentor mentee relationship looks like so that they can maybe have the courage to pick the phone up or send the email so they can start that journey. Yep. Well, um, in regards to Agents Together, I think they should go and visit the website, which is agentstogether.co.uk, because there's quite a lot of information there which will help them. Um, personal development is one thing. I would put this into the sort of mentoring uh, capacity, which will help them set them on the path of that personal development. It'll be part of that personal development, whether that's strengthening their mindset getting them focused on the right things. Um, and we basically, you can apply to be a mentee. And we, we, are, we have two levels of mentee. We have what we call speedy mentoring, which if somebody's got a sort of a one-question type issue, you, you can, a mentor will speak to you for half an hour, 45 minutes or whatever, and give you some advice and input and, and help with that. And then we have mentoring programs. And I'm currently working with three individuals um, over a six-month period. And so I'm, I'm working with them every month over a six-month period, helping them with their personal development, but also their business development, because the two things are obviously inextricably linked. Um, and through that, hopefully, the people they're working with will obviously gain from it as well. And so the whole thing starts to snowball. Um, in terms of getting involved, if people go to the website, there is, you, you can apply to be a mentee. So you would say who you are, you'd explain what your concerns were, what your issues were, what you were looking for, and you will be matched to an appropriate mentor. And we have 
some incredible mentors, um, apart from myself. <laughs> um, we have um, people like, I mean, on one level, we have Sam Allardyce, the former England football manager, is a mentor for agents together. Now, he's not going to tell you anything about estate agency, but the guy does know about leadership and the guy does know about getting things done. Peter Brudnicki from um, MAB, the CEO of MAB, is a mentor. We have Michael Bruce, Kenny Bruce. We, we, we have a whole range of people and other people who are, in the main, successfully running businesses. Um, Stephen Brown, Sarah Edmondson, who I think has been on your podcast in the, in, in the past. Lots and lots of very good people. So you can apply to be a mentor. I'm not saying you would immediately necessarily get one of those people because, you know, people are busy and whatever. But they, we've got over 100 mentors willing to help people. And they'll be matched depending on what it is you need. By the same token, we're also looking for mentors because one of the ways that we can expand this and help more people is to have more mentors involved. And so if somebody is out there who feels that they have something to offer in giving guidance and support and, and mentoring to somebody, then they should also apply. Um, and we will look to match them up with people who would benefit from their input. Very cool. Sorry about that. I was on mute because some of my team just arrived. We're having an actual <laughs> office day today. Uh, so high fives all round. Um, I think uh, just to wrap up that agents together point, uh, I think the initiative is fantastic. I think in Sarah, it's a magnificent leader um, and somebody who can drive that business forward for all of the right reasons. Um, and somebody who is probably uh, experienced and empathetic enough, uh, not only for the mentees, but to also probably for the mentors, uh, as well. So, uh, she's much nicer than I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I'll agree with you on that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think well done. Um, long may it, it have a very successful, um, output to everybody and, and long may it continue. Excellent. Um, I'll, uh, I'll ask you the question that we ask everybody, um, Michael, that we sort of, we named this show the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we wanted uh, to claim ourselves as being world class, but because it's what we try and aspire to every day and what we hope everybody listens to us aspires to, right? So we ask a question of everyone who joins us, uh, and that is, what does world class state agency look like to you? Um. Little small question there. Um, yeah. the, uh, what does it look like? It looks like delivering um, what is, is needed, what the consumer um, is looking for. And I think from the business point of view, um, you, you know, it's what is your why? You know, what, why are you in this business? What is it you're doing? And then it's everything you're doing that links back to that and from the consumer's point of view the majority of people we come into contact with in this industry are obviously looking to move house whether that's through lettings um, or through through sales um, the reasons why they're moving are, are many it could be you know good news you know i mean you mentioned that your you know you, your partner's pregnant so you know an expanding family situation Sadly, it could be we've, we've had the announcement of Ian Westerling's death in the last couple of days. Very sad. Got, he's got three kids under the age of eight. I mean, it's tragic. And, but, so there are lots of reasons why people get involved. And to have somebody who is going to look after their interests 
and put their interests at the absolute heart of everything, not their interests in making commission or whatever, but actually the interests of the consumer, going back to my Zig Ziglar quote, um, and doing so honestly, professionally, transparently, that is what world-class estate agency looks like. And I think the industry does get a bad rap because I think the vast majority of people I know in the industry are trying to deliver that. Um, they're hamstrung a little bit by low fees. They're hamstrung a little bit by, um, you know, those sort of, and the general view of the industry, which let's face it, doesn't rank all that highly up the list of uh, people you want around for a dinner party. Um, so it has that sort of problem. But it is changing. And I think initiatives like Agents Together, I think Agents Giving, which does a lot of work, you know, charity-wise with um, communities and bits and pieces. The state agents I know who do stuff in their community, enormous. And actually, we, we get a bad rap, but we're partly guilty of getting that bad rap because there are the rotten apples in, in the barrel. Hopefully, if we end up with some sort of sensible licensing regulation whatever that will erode a little bit um, and it will make life a little bit easier i'm coming up to 45 years in this industry um, you know i won't be here in 45 years time but if i was uh, projecting where i see the industry perhaps in 10 years time i do see it moving up the ranking um, and delivering a much higher quality in the eyes of the consumer. Without the consumer, we have no industry. Without the consumer, um, we, estate agents will become like bank tellers or dinosaurs because they will be replaced by a hole in the wall machine um, and they will not be needed. There's already a lot of execution only services and things. That value added is the people and therefore it's down, down to the people to make it happen. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Michael. I think one of the big things I, I took about, about that, obviously, loads of value in the in world-class agency, but as you, as you said there, licensing could take us to a better place, but sensible licensing. Fingers crossed on, on that point, I think. Thank you very much for joining us um, today. We really, My really pleasure. appreciate your time. My pleasure. Cheers. Speak to you again soon. A massive thank you to Michael Day for joining us on today's podcast. We jumped around loads of, loads of different topics, but really great to talk to somebody with more experience in the industry than, than even you thought, more experience than years we have. Um, and just so many really good takeaways. Nothing, you know, sort of rewriting the book. A lot of sort of enforcing a number of the things that we talk about on this on this show, I think, um, and people don't think regulation is exciting, but it is coming. We can debate when it is coming or or when it's when it's not. What's your view on that, Sam? Are you excited about regulation in the industry, and do you share some of the opinions that Michael talked about? Uh, am I excited about regulation <laughs> in industry? Uh, excited is definitely not the right word. Um, <laughs> do I think it's necessary? Yes. Am I excited about it? Who knows? Would I welcome it? hundred um, percent. Just before we jump into the second part of your question, uh, one thing that I think is very important to let everyone listening to this know is that uh, if you've not seen Michael Day's office, uh, you should get on a Zoom call with that guy because he has generally the coolest office you'll ever see in your entire life. It's like 
what I imagine I want to have when I grow up, like mid-century furniture, cool like movie posters and records and vinyls everywhere. Uh, yeah, he very much threw out the I have a cooler setup at home than you card to us today and much power and respect to him. Now, back to the yep. important stuff. Uh, I think it will make a massive difference. Um, I think uh, it will scare off geezers from coming into the industry. I think it will light a fire under some people who've perhaps been complacent in their own practices and have not really taken their job or profession as seriously as perhaps their past, present and future clients would like them to. Um, will it be the magic wand that turns all of a state agency into a lauded, respectable profession that's highly paid um, and no one ever has any complaints about? Absolutely not. Uh, but it will improve things and it will force good people to get better and hopefully crap people to go work somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> on, on that point, so um, when you started out in Oz, we talked about barriers to entry. Um, to the industry, I think it's 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 I think it's a good thing. I think um, we talked about attracting better talent with Michael. He said the opportunity is the attraction. Um, but we talked about barriers century. Was it a barrier for you when you were starting out in Australia? Because I know you just went out and got your license. I don't know how simple or straightforward it is. So talk to me just very briefly about that in Australia, and if you think it'll be a barrier in in the UK, or is it going to attract better people? So there's, there's two forms of licensing in Australia. So one is an actual real estate license, which you have to have to run a business. And that is about a six month course that you need to do. Uh, the other one is called a real estate salesperson certificate. And that allows you to be a real estate agent in like working under someone else's license. Um, so one takes six months and you learn about trust accounting, you learn about everything. So I imagine that's where a level four qualification would be here under the Roper. Yeah. Um, real estate salesperson certificate is a four day course. It costs $600 and they give you the answers at the end. So, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a complete money-making exercise for the industry bodies within each state, um, to put a slight barrier. Everyone has $600, you know? It's not a small amount of money, not a huge amount of money, but it's not a small amount of money anyway. I was certainly like, shit, 600 bucks, crap, yeah. you know? I'd already, quit, I'd already quit my job. So uh, yeah, I didn't really have a choice, but I was also like, this is lumpy. Um, and yeah, no one, no one would pay for it for me. They wanted me to have that before I, I got a job in an agency anyway. So uh, yeah, the, the fact is you go to these courses, uh, there's a module called uh, like listing presentation. There's a module called um, money laundering. There's a module called negotiation. Do you learn anything about any of those things? No. Uh, but they get to tick the box saying that you've done that module and then they give you the answers and you fill it in. And if you fail, you're an idiot. You probably shouldn't sell houses. Um, and no one fails. So yeah, it's a it, small barrier to entry. The, the problems that exist here exist in Australia without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, it's just that uh, people in Australia get angry at the individual because it's all about the individual, not so much about an industry or a, or a, per, or a company. Um, I think as much as they do here. So yeah, that's why I'm cautiously optimistic about what licensing qualifications regulation will do here, but I also realize that it isn't, it isn't the silver bullet, you know, that some people probably want it to be. I suppose the 600 books, as you said, 
at least shows that people are committed to want to, to join that industry, not not they've, they've applied for 100 jobs and the estate agent was the first one to get back to them. So, you know, the, the problem is, is, is something in that. I think the if we can professionalise our profession, I think that's, that's what I'm, I'm excited about. Something um, before we talk about Michael and agents together that I really picked up on and a lot of the successful people that we have on this show talk about is Michael said he was a big fan of lifelong learning. And I think he said, and I couldn't agree more with this, is if you're not learning every day, you're going backwards. We talk about it, um, you know, socially in terms of football teams. So obviously Liverpool haven't made any significant signings yet this summer, so they're going backwards. So as an estate agent, if you're not learning every day, you're going backwards. And, I, you know, I think it's it, never a true statement um, to me. Has evidence on anybody? James Rodriguez, my friend. Jeez. All right, cool. It's a fun part of the play with injured. Um, did you really sign? Anyway, that's a conversation for more off air. Um, I, yeah, I, I, Liverpool going backwards is neither here nor there. I am suspiciously concerned about this season, though. Um, hashtag Nike should sign Mbappe. Anyway, uh, Michael's exactly right. If, if you aren't learning, you, you are going backwards. You know, standing still, it's like... There's this cool analogy about sharks, right? Where sharks can't stop swimming because if they stop swimming, they die. Um, where, and so when they sleep, they're still swimming. They're still moving very slowly. And it's the same thing with, with human beings. I, I can't remember who I was talking to yesterday about this, but I, oh, a couple of guys who are uh, part of a partnership that we have with Home Search, we, we were talking about like, you never really figure out what life's all about till you die. And then it all becomes very clear. Um, and I have this app on my phone called We Croak um, that a guy who actually interviewed that we didn't hire told me about on an interview and I thought it was quite cool. Um, and it uh, just reminds you that like death is coming. Uh, so you should make the most of whatever is in front of you now, but also at the same time, perhaps not take it as seriously as, as we do. Um, and so like to, to bring that back to Michael's point, you know, every day is a learning day as, as Stephen Brown says, um, thank you for the check, Stephen. Um, and if if you aren't learning, you are going backwards because there's going to be someone out there, a bit like how we started the podcast today. You've learned a lot. You know, your entire business has learned so much over the last six months, you know, that you've moved forward probably steps beyond what you had in your business plan at the start of this year because you were sort of forced to to start with and then you actually got comfortable with stretching yourself that far. It's the same thing here. It's, it's hyper important, you know, if you learn something every day, there's, there's that thing. If you get 1% better every day, you're uh, like, or it was 0.1% or something, you're 37 times better at the end of the year than if you were doing nothing, you know. Um, and, but if you're 1% worse every day, you're something like uh, 60% worse off or whatever it is. There's going to be a listener of this that tells me I'm completely wrong with those numbers, but the principle <laughs> holds true. If you learn something every day, you move forward. If you don't, you are standing still, which means actually the gap between you standing still and everyone who continues to learn stuff every day is increasing, increasing, increasing. It's going to be harder for you to catch up. You know, Michael said that by, I really love this, right? He said, it's staggering to him how many people join a company and they hand their career over to that company. And like, right, look yeah, at like that. And I, that really stuck with me right? Because it's, it's so true. How many agents do you know 
But like, they never give me any training. They would never do this, never do that. One of the guys that, that works for us, Simon Gates, like fantastic agent, um, great guy that we have working for us here, uh, off his own back paid for his training while he was an estate agent to go and, and sit with the likes of Stephen Brown, to be mentored by all these people because he wanted to invest in himself, right? And you can tell in the way that he holds himself and the conversations he's able to have and the advice that he's able to offer because he's done that. He didn't rely on the company that he was working for or I like to think we give a little bit of training, but he doesn't just rely on what we do as well uh, to make sure that we, uh, you know, he hasn't handed his career over to us. And I think that that's really important for everyone to remember and, and Michael's articulated that in far fewer words, but in a far clearer way than I have. But it's something that's really important for people to remember. You know, if you agree that every day is a learning day and if you're not learning, you're going backwards then you have to take ownership of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, could, I couldn't agree more. I think, I don't know if it was on this podcast or another, another podcast that I was listening to, but something that's really sort of resonated with me, you're not going to make 100% improvement in your business, in your life, but you might be able to make 100 one percent improvements and to be able to do that you've got to have as Stephen says every day a learning day um or lifelong learning as, as michael said i yeah i'm uh I'm, I'm all in for that and hopefully i'm also sharing that with our team here because i think that's really important that you the team that you're building buy into that as well exactly right cool cool um so i don't think we've actually had anyone on to talk about agents together I know you said that we had, I don't think we have, I know we have Sarah on, but it was just before it was announced. So um, I didn't know a great deal about agents together, but really interesting to hear Michael talk about what he said, some of his competitors, um, but the sort of premise of it, better people, better companies, better industry. Very difficult yeah. to argue with that, isn't it? it? It makes a lot of sense, right? When you think about it. And I think, um, who cares who's organized it? You know, who cares who's behind it? The fact that they've come out and that's what they want to do is what you need to be focusing on. And I think a lot of people aren't giving it a chance to succeed because they have opinions about people that are involved. We know a lot of the people that are part of that hundred mentors that they have now. And I don't think that there's a bad word to say about any of them, you know? And no. I think it's all more than fair to say that they do want to achieve those goals. They do want to encourage a better person within the industry. They do want to encourage people within our industry to be more comfortable in themselves, to talk more, to share more, to realize that actually some of the shit that goes on in their head. And I can speak from like first, second, third, 10th hand experience is shared, you know, um, and you're not crazy. It's just, Sometimes it's a really stressful job and sometimes because you deal with people who are also really stressed about money or family or relationships or employment, you take on that stress, you, you know, you absorb those emotions because naturally to be an amazing estate agent, I think you've got to be fairly empathetic. So of course you're going to do that to have somebody who's been there, done that, who's been in the industry for 45 years, if we use Michael as an example, to ask questions of and to listen to, or even just, like, again, uh, to give Stephen Brown, who's a mentor uh, with agents together as well, a bit of a wrap, you know. He, I, he and I talk two or three times a week, you know. And uh, I said to him last week, I was like, I have to call you for once, you know, because he's always the one calling me and it makes me feel guilty that it's it appears. I know it's not. I know he would never think that it is, but it appears it's always one-sided, you know. But it's it's just 
what's going on? What's on your mind? How's your life? How's your world? Sometimes it's just me and him hanging out in silence just to know that we're there for each other, you know? And I think that's the whole point of what Agents Together is, is so that people know that they're not alone, you know, in whatever they're facing, including success. Because success could be fucking scary as well, right? Um, yeah. Absolutely. And if I think back to when I was a younger stage, I know a lot more people in the industry now, partly from doing this podcast and just the way our business has evolved. But if you're working in a business and you have, have a tough day, it, it must be really helpful to be able to go and talk to somebody who's in the same position, not in your business, because you probably can't have that open conversation with some of your colleagues, particularly if it's a small team, you don't want to have that conversation with your boss. So I think that mentorship, um, particularly for you know, some of the younger negs, um, aspiring managers, all of that sort of thing. And what a, great, what a great thing to be able to go to an interview and say, oh, I've been part of the agents together. I've been mentored by, insert famous men- mentor name here type of thing. You know, the Michael Days, Stephen Browns, mm. um, you know, all of those sorts of people offering their time. I think it's great. And I think you're right. You know, who's, who's behind it? I'm sure there's some people listening that are like, oh, I'm never going to get involved with that, with this because of who's behind it. But at the end of the day, it's a charity that's, that's funded by the Bruce's um, to further improve the uh, industry. So, so why not? Um, why, why not? Um, speedy mentoring. I quite like that. I thought that was, that was like speed speed dating but speedy speedy mentoring um and then before we talk about sensible licensing which i sort of said to michael on the wrap-up I, re- I really liked um world-class agency according to michael day sam what do you think i think he again it was it was just a clear simple answer and he hit the nail on the head you know it's honesty transparency work your ass off you know um, that earns the right to, we, we, we skipped over one thing they talked about, which was making sure that you get paid for what you do. Um, but I think you get paid for what you do when you realize you deliver value and you deliver value by being honest, transparent, you work, like you work, work is a scary thing. Again, we talk about, right. But it's what gives you the right, you know, gives you the opportunity to charge 2%, two and a half percent. You know, I, I spoke to an agent the other day, uh, that is three and a half percent multi-listing and their agency is not called Foxton's, you know, and they're two and a half percent sole agency. Um, now they do negotiate off that, but they don't negotiate below two and they, they go in there and, and, and again, their marketing is incredible. Um, like I know how hard they negotiate cause they tried to beat us down on price for like four and a half weeks. And we were just like, sorry, you can't do anything really. Sorry. <laughs> and at the end we're all friends. Right. Um, but I can imagine if they like that with us, then they like that with their clients and that's reflected in their fee. Um, and it means, again, if you're 1% and they're 2.5% and the market tightens up, which it will do, who's going to come out the other side strong, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that was something that Michael did throughout our interview, wasn't it? He put what we've taken 10 minutes to discuss into a couple of words. And I think that's a, that's a real skill. So a massive thank you to him for joining us, giving us his time. Um, and uh, thank you to you, Sam. Thank you to every, everyone for listening. As you know, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it get back, get, get better, <laughs> get regulated and get better. Apparently. Um, if you like what we do, please share it out on social media. 
um, like the episode and um, reach out, let us know what you think. I'm Mark Wall, he's Sam Hunter. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>